0: Hello, NewsCast listeners. This week's show features Ryan Borowitz, the owner of The Driveway in Hobart, Wisconsin. Bill Walton is our throwback and everybody's favorite old look at new and forgotten and never forgetting. Now let's get this show on the road. This guy's
1: teaching me to shoot. He just made 66 shots in a
0: row. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Hello NoosaCast listeners, welcome to what is unbelievable to me, Episode 7 of the NoosaCast. you know we're just we're back we're back we're just uh we're learning is we have good interviews we have good content we have good stories um and and we're learning along the way here um so i think that's the best thing i I, i'm just amazed uh this week again where we uh have a great story from ryan borowitz just talking about his life and talking about the things he did it's what we want to continue. Talking
2: about the Brown County Arena Tash. Brown Remember County, the old Brown County oh my Arena? Gosh. Yeah, only, a lot of reminiscing there. Not
0: only seeing sports there, but also uh seeing concerts at the Brown County Arena. And it would just echo oh, yeah. back and forth throughout that that dome. It was a terrible place for concerts. But <laughs>
2: oh, it, it was the biggest dump in the world, but we all loved it. A lot of pretty cool things came through that that venue for sure. And UWGB, we talked with uh Ryan a little bit about it, but you know, he came in right at the the tail end of the Dick Bennett years right. and then, you know, Mike Heideman, But all through those years, the the late 80s into the mid 90s, there were some great UWGB basketball teams, exciting Absolutely. basketball teams. And Ryan was a part of those.
0: The Brown County Arena, which is funny. My boys actually had some practice hockey at the Brown County Arena when they did a sheet of ice in there. You know, not that long ago, but it was so hot that the kids basically would take all of their – stuff off except just their pads because they'd just be dripping sweat because of those big, huge lights that would shine oh, yeah. down in that arena. Um But, yes, yeah, a cool, you know, it was a cool venue growing up. I and mean, You're from Northeast Wisconsin, from the Green Bay, Appleton area, you know the Brown County Arena. So,
2: absolutely. Who didn't go to a circus at the Brown County Arena?
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, circus, monster trucks, you name it. Ice capades, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, hey, we're in the Start a football season now for the high school. Start of fall sports for all the high schools as well. And yes. uh, I know this week you have your first uh, game roughing.
2: Yes, yes. I, I won't tell you what venue it's at, but I'm excited. Yeah, we, for sure. We don't I'm, want I'm any hecklers. <laughs>
0: Your, your podcast exactly. I, sucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're right. You can't have that. I mean, surely you, you come out there to watch the officials, right? It's not about the football. Not
0: about the football. <laughs> Speaking of football, we had a uh, Packers obviously had their first preseason and a lot of excitement there. A lot of young guys doing some great things out there. It's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a fun season to watch. Yeah, they look to be like a fast team, and that's uh, that's always good. And the other big thing is the Brewers are continuing. They have a two and a half game lead right now in uh the, in their division and they're they're looking good. They're winning close games, which I like to see because that tells you, you know, once we get into those playoff stretch, if they make the playoffs, uh, they're gonna have that grit and that ability to win those close games.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, they're they're to me kind of an exciting I didn't really expect them to be, I guess, in this position, um, but they are. And it's, it's life's just better when the Brewers are in, in the playoff hunt. It, it certainly it gets us to football season, but yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe they can do a little damage in the playoffs. Just play scrappy ball yeah. and see what happens. Right.
0: Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a fun time of year. I think we talked about this in an earlier podcast. I like this time of year because it's a lot of renewal. Yeah. You have high hopes. Everybody is uh, at the same level. Nobody's won or lost yet. And you know, we're, we're looking into the, you know, everybody has that possibility to make it.
2: Absolutely. Brewers are looking good. Week one of football is underway, high school football. Life's pretty good here in Northeastern Wisconsin. You've got that, you know, the Packers are a couple of weeks away as we go through spring uh, training camp and football's back falls almost here. We have a little bit of summer left, which uh, we'll enjoy, but life's pretty good here in Northeastern Wisconsin this time of year.
0: And, you know, I just want to throw out to all those high school players too. you know, we, we hope in future episodes here that we will be uh, touching base with high schools and um, spreading the excitement of local players. You know, that's one of the things we're doing with this NUSA cast as well. You know, we are the Northeast Wisconsin Sports Advancement, so we will be taking a look at local players once the seasons get going here and uh, possibly have some local players on the podcast and telling their story as well.
2: Yeah, we're we're working through all of that, Tash. You're absolutely right. I mean, this is why we started this was to highlight local sports, whether it's high school, lower, higher, whatever. But folks from this area, they're tied to sports, and and we're we're big backers of high school sports. And and we're going to start to get some of the student athletes involved on this show, and and some of the the coaches, administrative staff of the different schools and 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 start taking it to each of the schools in the area and, and diving into their programs and really exploring youth sports and, and local sports in this area.
0: Yeah, this is great. So um you know we have a we're pretty excited about this episode as we are about all of our episodes. And again, you like these, you listen to us, subscribe, download, tell your friends, tell your family, listen to it while you're driving, and just get out and get the word out for us. That would be great. Uh, We would love that. Check us
2: out. We're on YouTube. The NoosaCast is on YouTube, Uh, Spotify, iTunes. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know how to get a podcast, but take it that one step further and just please hit follow or please hit subscribe. Make sure that you get that automatic download. Those those numbers mean the world to us. Take that one extra step. We would be forever grateful.
0: So enjoy this episode. Uh, Listen to Brian's story. And uh, don't forget, we have a great throwback with Bill Walton. Yes. So it's time for the old look at new. So we're gonna look at some historical pieces um, here in the Valley, the States, or even possibly the nation. It kind of uh, ebbs and flows a little bit. Um, So you ready for this, Joe? I'm ready for this, Tash. It's football season, so I I think I have a good one here. I'm gonna start off. Um, August eleventh, nineteen nineteen, the Green Bay Packers were formed. Ah, yes, yes, yes. The Acme <laughs> Packers, right? <laughs> the, the Acme Packers at that time, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just I came across that one. I was like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Yeah, August eleventh, nineteen nineteen. Yeah, some of those
2: classic old photos. That's incredible. Oh, unbelievable. Remember those old photos, the uniforms back in the day. Curly Lambeau, that was something else. And just shortly after yeah. that, uh, you know, Don Hudson comes and they pretty much invent the forward right. pass.
0: It, it's, it amazes me when you look at those old teams in, profe- well, in professional sports in general, um, that those guys, you know, they played and they went and yeah. worked. Oh, yeah. It, it's just absolutely incredible considering what we have today and the millions and millions of dollars that sports generates. It's, it's it really amazing. is. I mean, and it wasn't really
2: that long ago that, that the professional athlete didn't work in the offseason. I mean, we've 60s and 70s, right. those guys were still working. But, you know, if you ever get the chance and you're up in Green Bay, one of the best, it's a high school field now, but it's just a beautiful stadium is, is Old City Stadium. Right. City Field. Right. Yeah, City mean, that's, stadium that's the Packers played. There's, I mean, you just go online. There's some really, really cool photos of, of that stadium back in the day. But you know, this just jocked my memory. I remember my dad telling me a story you know, he was born, he was born in 1921. So not too, too long after the Packers were formed, but when he was uh, maybe an early teenager, if not 10 up in city stadium, him, his, him and his brother, Sam, used to just run in with the players as they were running onto the field, so they wouldn't have to pay the gate admission. <laughs> so,
0: you know, I can, I can totally oh, see yeah. them doing that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he always said That's that his awesome. parents didn't know a football from a watermelon, but they would drive him and his brother up to green Bay. And you know, the late 1920s that had to be quite the trip and they would just sit in the car. while my dad and Sam would run, run with the players right onto the field. <laughs>
0: that's awesome that's a that's a nice nice memory
2: appreciate you uh, (laughs) jogging that memory for me Tash I haven't thought of that in a while well mine kind of
0: tags a little bit right off of yours
2: so Packers were formed in 1919 but if you go to 1964 June 3rd 1964 in fact in Menasha Wisconsin Fred Thurston Fuzzy Thurston Bill Martini and a couple of the guys decided to put together what was called the thousand yard club now this was absolutely i'm still mine just blows my mind that this actually happened but every year in in june uh i think it was held at ridgeway it was the thousand yard club so every thousand yard rusher in the nfl came to menasha wisconsin and they had a they had a banquet for them so you had guys like jim brown and you know I hate to say it, O.J. Simpson, guys like that. You know, the greatest running backs in the in the '60s yeah. and early '70s would would come, and they had the absolute. I know this is a podcast, but I'm holding it up for Tash. This was the program. It's a it's a football. It. Uh, I'll snap oh, a picture. And I'll, I'll put it on our newscast Twitter um, page, but it's by far the coolest program I've ever seen. It's an NFL football, and just paging awesome. through it, it it's it's incredible to think, I mean, you, you imagine that now, I mean, a a thousand yards doesn't quite mean, I mean, the season was shorter uh, back in the sixties, but right. You know, I I don't know what the equivalent is now, 1500 yards, 2000 yards, but you, you would have all the greatest running backs that are, that play now would come to Appleton or an or whatever. And you'd have a banquet for them. I think that's one, that's pretty gosh darn cool. And two, just, kind of unbelievable.
0: That is unbelievable. That's fantastic. I never yeah. never knew about that. That's uh The Thousand Yard awesome. Rushing Club. Hey, I got one more hey. that I'm just going to throw out bonus. there because um it it's it kind of ties in especially with sports today. Um August 11th 50 years ago today, 50 50 years ago, on August 11th, hip hop yeah. was born. Nice. <laughs> and hip hop has hip hop has a huge yeah. influence on sports, you know, oh. basketball and and even football, I mean, a huge influence on sports at this time, and there's such a tie-in between the two that you can't can't forget the old uh, the old hip hop from 50 years I mean, ago.
2: What would pre games be I without hip hop?
0: Exactly. I, I you know. I remember high school and little yeah. NWA, little oh, Run DMC, yeah, yeah little Run right?
2: DMC. I love those guys. <laughs> no, that's a great one.
0: So I just wanted, to – yeah, I had to throw that one in as well. So, but yeah, that's some that's some cool stuff. Packers, Thousand Yard Club, hip hop. Hip hop. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Let's go. Stuff. It's football season, Tash. Well, that was an old look at new. Um, thank you guys for giving us some time and throwing that stuff out there. And remember, if you like this, continue to listen to the podcast and you know, go back and hear some of our old ones as well. All right, Newscast listeners, uh, very lucky this week. Uh, we're going to look back at some UWGB days some ashwabanan basketball and football and sports days uh by talking to ryan borowitz uh, ryan borowitz is the owner of of the driveway up in holbert tosh this was just
2: one of those fun fun evenings you know you and i doing this where we get to talk to a lot of different people and i enjoy it more and more every single time and and ryan was one of those guys where we just had a conversation and, and you're right we we talked about everything from high school to his playing career at UWGB being recruited by Dick Bennett a fascinating just fun fun interview to listen to
0: yeah you know it's cool i it, we we kind of traveled all over and you know like like we are talking about as far as this podcast is concerned we're telling stories and we got to hear his story from high school and youth sports uh shooting around with his dad all the way up to playing in Australia, and uh, even a little bit about uh, his involvement with Alliance Church.
2: You guys will love it. Thank you, and enjoy the conversation. So, Ryan, do you get a little time off now after next week? you take a vacation, or is it pretty much year-round?
1: Yeah, no, um, it's—so we go—the summer is by far my hardest and busiest season as far as just um, on the court. I average between 9 and 14 hours a day on the court on like instructing so like uh it's just it's it's crazy i mean I've, I've had people like you know come in and and yesterday in fact a guy texted me he's like you know i was in there i was watching you he's like so it's just this week that you do this right and i was like no we do <laughs> this for 10 straight weeks in the summer and he just was like you got to be kidding me um so it's it's full on um until the end of next week and then my wife is gracious and she lets me go away i love to fly fish and and um go out west um so the last two years i've gone to montana by myself and camped in the mountains and ah nice for three days so this year i'm going to wyoming total middle of nowhere wyoming um same deal just camp on the river and fish for three days and uh, not talk to anyone and not (laughs) not not hear basketball bouncing and Uh, that's (laughs) gotta be nice and then i get um so then i then i kind of ease back into on the court i really you know september as a parent september's first week of september's crazy so we don't even do anything at the driveway that first week and and then we kind of ease back in so i'll get back on the court about september i think 11th is a monday okay. maybe so i get a nice a nice break um but there's really no no, um, off season. You know, that was one of the things when I opened it, I, I kind of knew what summer was going to be like, cause I was doing it at Appleton Alliance church. Um, for the most part, I, it not certainly not as full on as I'm, I do it now, but I'd been running camp. So I kind of knew what to expect in the summer, but the school year was a total, total unknown. I don't know how busy it's going to be. I didn't know if there was going to be a, a downtime. I mean, we, I lined the courts, at the driveway with volleyball just in case I wasn't busy and I had to rent it out to volleyball teams. So it's it was totally an unknown for the school year, um, but there's really no no downtime.
2: It's it's definitely year round and then some. Do you have teams that, that travel out of there or is it just strictly uh, no. instructional?
1: No, I made a, a choice, you know, when I first started and then another kind of <laughs> reinforcement a few years ago, I didn't want to do um, AAU teams. There's plenty of people doing it, you know, I like, the ability to work with everyone. And if you have your own program, you know, you end up kind of pigeonholing yourself to sometimes working with just kids in in that program. Um, and there are some other reasons too, but the main one was, you know, it was never my vision. And I've tried to stick to the vision of the driveway as, as, as much as I can. And the vision was always to teach and inspire and coaching is part of that. And I get to do it. I, I coach my son's AAU teams, but because I, can stay laser focused on one thing. I don't have seven irons in the fire and, and doing this and that. I can focus on one thing, and that allows me to, you know, use how I'm gifted, and and then people know what they're getting when they come too. They're they're getting someone who loves to teach and in, wants to inspire kids, and not oh, I've got to do this and that and the other thing as well. Right.
2: I tell you, is is a dad that uh, I've I've had kids that have gone through travel sports, whether it's soccer or lacrosse it is so refreshing to hear that message. Cause you, you do not hear that yeah. message anymore. Yeah. That, that, that's part of the problem. And it's, it, it's just awesome. I, I don't know how else to say it. Thanks.
1: Well, you mo- know, and, and most of the people that, you know, there's facilities even in our area and around the country that, you know, they've, they usually gear towards teams and I don't know, it just was never part of my vision and I've just really tried to stay true to that. And um, it has been, it's been good
0: if we could go back a little bit and talk about um, maybe you growing up in high school. Mm -hmm. So is basketball your thing all the time? Did you play multiple sports? Yeah. So
1: I was a, definitely a um, played everything. Just I was a competitor who played everything. You know, I competed in bowling. I was, you know, I was just (laughs) a competitor and so played, you know, growing up, played baseball, soccer, basketball, and football. And I went to a small Catholic grade school So we didn't have tackle football. We just had two-hand touch football. (laughs) And then, you know, didn't do any travel ball stuff. There obviously wasn't anything like that. You just played Little League, and you played for the Rec Soccer League. And, And then in high school, I decided to stick with football, and so gave up soccer in high school. But I played... Uh, I'm a dinosaur. I played all three sports all the way four years through high school.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's not many of you. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, you know, it was great because, and I always, I, I've never once, even though I run a basketball facility, I've never once told a kid, Hey, you should just focus on basketball. I just, I just don't believe it's good for you emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, I just, and I think if you, if you handle your time, right, you can do it all. Now, if you have to work and, and that kind of thing, there's certain kids are, you just maybe can't, but, um, if you're a competitor, um, it's going to carry over into other areas of your life, and and you're always going to compete in your job and against, you know, if you're a salesperson, you're competing for for that business or whatever it is. So learning to compete, I think, is really important. And so in high school, I I played baseball. I was average at best. Um, you know, I I didn't play a whole lot my junior year, and 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 improved a lot. We had a good, really good senior year, but I never practiced it. I, I just played and had fun and it was very relaxed. But football and basketball, I played, you know, all the time and and worked out all the time and was very serious about those and and actually probably had better football accolades. I was the state player of the year in football. My senior year, I was first team All-State in three positions. Yeah, I was reading (laughs) that. That is absolutely nuts. So quarterback, Uh. kicker and punter, right? Yeah, I think they just had to give me the player of the year award just because <laughs> I mean, the guy was three position, you know, so I think I, they had to, there was certainly better players. Yeah. It was football. And I was, I was, I was below average my sophomore year when I started um, on the varsity as a quarterback. And I was, a, I was, a, I was a good kicker punting. I was pretty inconsistent until my senior year. Then I got very consistent through some technique changes and good coaching. And then uh, quarterback, I was, I was below average my sophomore year, average my junior year, and then really improved my senior year. And just you know how it is, you just get that most quarterback most most quarterbacks don't get that third year of varsity to to really feel comfortable. And I was fortunate to to have that third year as a starter, and everything just slowed down, got very not easy, but it just made sense. Whereas I felt my fresh sophomore year I was a mess. Junior year, uh, you know, I'd have glimpses senior year was very consistent and and we had a great team. So it it helped a ton, obviously. But and then basketball, you know, was my always my first love, even though physically, I don't look like and probably shouldn't have been a basketball player. um, (laughs) uh, It was always my first love. My dad was a great player. And, you know, I always looked up to him and his newspaper clippings up on my wall from back when he was a player. And um, so the
2: jump shot runs in the family
1: oh yeah 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 my dad grew up in duluth minnesota and and played at minnesota duluth um probably could have gone you know a much bigger school um but his family they he had really young siblings he was like 18 19 he had like newborn siblings and his father was disabled and um you know they lived in a two-bedroom house and and didn't have a lot so he had to stay at home and and um go to school live with his <laughs> in the same room with his little newborn siblings and and yet played college basketball so unreal uh, wow. but yeah basketball was always first love but i love football i mean I, i'm excited now my my son's got a scrimmage tomorrow and and he has his first game friday next friday and uh football season's just fantastic who, i love who it. does he play for west a peer oh nice yeah oh, that's a great program yeah 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 we're for we've got a great coach and and yeah. a, a good leader of young men and my um, junior that plays and a freshman that plays.
2: I've been a, a longtime high school official and, and I've always respected West um, that they, They've had two of the greatest coaches really to go in this area.
1: Yeah. And Chris has been a good friend. Chris Grice and the coach now. Sure. We were the same age and we met each other at a basketball camp actually. And we just clicked and, and have stayed friends all the way through. And then when he got the job, I was lobbying for him. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I was just so excited that my kids will you know, be able to be impacted by someone like him. It, you. You
2: tapped into a, a, a lethal weapon in high school is to have a great kicker. So I, that might be some good advice for Chris. <laughs> Steal those yeah. soccer players, right? <laughs> right, right.
0: So growing up playing three different sports, how did that impact you as an athlete and as a person?
1: Well, you you know, you learn, like I said, the, the competitiveness just had an outlet. And, you know, I grew up there in that fun era where you just went out in the neighborhood and I had three or four good buddies in the neighborhood. And that was it. You came home when your mom yelled through the neighborhood and you could hear my mom from, you know, 10 houses away. And, um, we played, you know, we'd play pickle for hours. We'd play football, we would play kick the can. And, you know, uh, one of the guys, I always kind of attribute one of my, my best friend growing up lived down the street a bit and he ended up being the player of the year, the defensive football player of the year. He was a linebacker at Notre Dame High School. And he was ultra competitive as well. So we just battled and everything, you know? So you just became very competitive. And I was always driven. And I have, you know, I have that thing inside of me where I can work really hard. And, and you know, like I said, even, and it's translated into like what I do in the summer, especially. I don't have any problem working hard or doing it by myself or being alone in the gym or in my driveway, and that always, you know, was a good outlet for me, and you know, certainly helps you manage your time. And I was fortunate; my parents didn't didn't ask me to work, um, you know, I have a job during high school or anything, so I was able to devote all that time
2: to to improving. Were, were most of your strokes grooved right literally in the driveway?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I spent an inordinate amount of time in my own driveway, yeah, and um you know even going to the park which nobody does anymore but you know hands down i spent way more time in my own driveway than i ever did anywhere else but we we lived fairly close to lombardi middle school Mm -hmm. um, in green bay southwest we were in that area and there was a y a real small ymca close by and i would go and spend just hours there you know trying to get in a game or get on a hoop or whatever but by far the most amount of time in, in the driveway which you know when it came to naming the facility there was never a a plan b or an right. option number two it was the driveway and that was yeah, it <laughs> that's a
2: perfect name would you and dad yeah. would you and dad play a little horse in the driveway
1: oh yeah yeah oh yeah and he was good too you know he's he's still he <laughs> could shoot it and my brother was a pretty solid player he didn't he didn't take it he wasn't as big as i was so he was um you know he, he was a good really good football player he was a center actually at premontre yeah. if you guys remember sure. oh Nor- sure, yeah Absolutely. and they had they had solid teams and he was small he was 510 150 pounds center um, <laughs> but was all confident so he had some he had some go get it to him as well
2: how old were you when you could consistently beat your dad at, at horse
1: oh boy probably probably seventh eighth grade is when like you know I could start to beat my brother and one-on-one and he was four years older than me. And then, you know, I grew a bit. And and then just the amount of time, I knew every spot in the driveway, and my dad didn't spend as much time <laughs> on it. So I was like, yeah, I got this spot. The elevation's a little bit tilted. And, you know, I
2: hit it from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Just like the old commercials, you know, off yep. the, uh, yep. the Michael Jordan and the Larry Bird, off the scoreboard, into the. Uh, yep. Yeah, we played a lot. Those are and, awesome. Uh, you know, it, it, it's fun. Like,
1: literally, I don't know if you can hear it. My son is out in our driveway right now. <laughs> um, shooting and I can hear the ball bouncing and it's literally just, yes, that's how it should be. Yeah. You know? And he goes to, he goes to the, the driveway a lot, the facility on his own, nice. and the, both of them do. But um, it, I love it when they're in our driveway, you know?
0: So you get to that point and you're in high school and you're trying to make a decision um to, to maybe something that you're going to do for a while after high school. How does how did you make that decision? How did that all come together? Well, I think,
1: I mean, I was, I had a, I had a pretty good sophomore season, and then my junior season, I, I was surprised. I got Player of the Year in the conference as a junior, which I really didn't expect. But we had a really good team. We went undefeated in the conference, okay. the Old Bay Conference, and I, I was, you know, probably the best player on the best team. So I, I got Player of the Year, and I think at that point I was like, oh, geez, there's not that many of those around, <laughs> and. You know you didn't there wasn't AU, you didn't travel around the country and compare yourself you literally right. you compared yourself to the people you played against in your conference so for me it was like oh i you know I'm, I'm okay you know and i'm starting to get some interest from colleges and um but the dream for me was always to play at green bay i you know i grew up you know we're, we're a couple miles from the arena we went to Every game, literally every single game, um, never missed it. And Tony Bennett was my idol, and and I wanted to be just like him. So it was it was kind of a no brainer once they started recruiting me. Um, if this happens, you know, it's I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> and you know, it was I was kind of borderline just because of my size as a shooting guard. I'm six foot. You know, there's not a lot of six foot Division one shooting guards. Oh, Tony Bennett yeah 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 <laughs> but like the greatest player of all time so <laughs> and i wasn't so he was he was definitely the mold you know and that was and you know, I, I literally talk about tony every day because at my camps we talk shooting and i show pictures of great shooters and i have pictures of tony in there and he still holds the record for three-point field goal percentage which is amazing and we in fact i showed a video of him shooting today with with one of his players at virginia so he really impacted me, not only as a as a player and someone I wanted to be like, but off the court. He was a good person and I was like, you know, and it's one thing I tell the kids too. It's like one thing if I look up to Giannis and Giannis is a great dude and yeah. seems like, you know, and a great player, but physically I can't do anything that Giannis can do. <laughs> you know, I always looked up to guys like Steve Alford, if you guys remember him from sure. sure. Absolutely. The normal, normal sized people that okay, if they can be good, I can do that. You know, I can I can be good. So I, I was fortunate to have those role models, um, especially, specifically Tony, literally in my backyard, and I could watch him play every night, you know.
2: Tony is, a, in my opinion, a, a spitting image of his dad, Dick, and Dick recruited you to, to play. Can you talk a little bit about Dick Bennett? I mean, he is just – he's just an amazing man.
1: Yeah, he's an icon for sure, and um, he's – I got to play for him for one year, so he recruited me, and then he was there my freshman year, and then he left after my freshman year to go to
2: Wisconsin. Um, right, and Mike Heideman stepped in, correct,
1: correct. and Heideman was the assistant. he'd been the right. recruiting guy, so he was it made sense like for me it it was it was fortunate because I think if someone else had gotten the job and I was fortunate that Mike got the job, um but yes, playing for for Dick was certainly the goal, and you know I got to get to know him well, obviously off the court too, and just a real good role model for sure,
2: yeah, definitely. We we talked before we hit record a little bit that uh, you know the the Dick Bennett years, the Tony Bennett years, and then I mean your years up up at uh, at the Brown County Arena. I mean it's no longer there anymore, but there was I in my opinion there was no better college atmosphere than when that arena was packed and way over fire code, and <laughs> it was so <laughs> loud in that place. Yes, it but was it was, was the most incredible court and and home court advantage you, you could ask for huge home court advantage it was freezing cold yeah you know, you'd get <laughs> these
1: teams in there and they're they're walking out like you know there's ice under the the court yep. and um the locker rooms were were not in good condition and they were freezing cold <laughs> like we used to wear gloves in the locker room like you know <sighs> just you know, stuff on and then coaches talk, talking you got gloves on so huge home court advantage and yeah certainly like that late 80s early 90s when tony and ben johnson and john martinez and and then that kind of bled into the Jeremy Ludvigson, and Eric Laduke, yeah. And Norgard, Gresh, Berlowski, Jackson, like that group. Those guys were great, and I was fortunate to just catch kind of. I, I played two years with Norgard and Gresh, and Jackson and Berlowski, and you know I got to kind of piggyback on some of that, and and then I played three years, so I was I redshirted my sophomore year because I had two foot surgeries. Um, So then I kind of feel like I had two careers. The first two years, I didn't play at all. Number first year, I wasn't good enough. Second year, I was medical redshirt. And then my next three years, I played a lot. You know, we we didn't have quite the success. We still had good teams, I felt like, but we didn't have quite the success that they did prior to that. Um, But I got to taste a little bit of that. So it was such a a fortunate thing.
2: Were you at the 95 uh, when when you guys played Purdue? Um, Yep. Yeah, I I mean... Oh, what a heartbreaker. that! But I still feel that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was such a, that I'll never forget. Like, you know, you have certain moments that kind of take your breath away. Um, a few years ago, our family went to the grand Canyon. That was a take your breath away. I, I was fortunate to play a season in Australia and I, I went scuba diving on the great barrier reef. That was a oh. take your breath away moment. I went skydiving. That was a take your breath away moment. And then that NCAA tournament walking into the arena for the first round of the NCAA tournament and seeing all the banners and the, the crowd and Louisville was playing um, somebody else. I can't remember, but it was like, Oh my gosh. I literally just was like the energy and the, this is the NCAA tournament. Are you kidding me? You know? (laughs) So there's, there's
2: been moments like that and that was certainly one of them. I mean, you guys, I've guys, I thought you guys had the game to be to be honest, but I mean, it, it was, such a good game. I, I just, I, is it hard to take that loss? when I mean, you still think about it, or it just, is just the memory just so great of you were in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think if I, I played, I didn't get in that
1: game, thankfully, because I got really sunburned. <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. So I, me and Jeff Norgaard used to love to play trivia, and we would just read trivia questions to each other. You know, the trivia pursuit game, we would just take the cards and read the trivia questions and quiz each other. So that day it was a hot, sunny day in Austin, Texas, and we didn't play till like eight o'clock at night. We had the second game, I think, of the evening. And he and I sat outside, you know, with our shirts off and and we're just in Texas. And hey, we're, you know, a couple of dudes from the cold weather. We sat outside for probably three hours. And oh. I I got so sunburned <laughs> the day of the game. And I knew I wasn't gonna play, but Jeff had Jeff was our best player. So um after that, So the funny thing is I, I was so sunburned. I didn't want to take my warm-up jacket off because my arms were so red. <laughs> I just, like a clown. So, if, like, in the pictures, I'm the only guy who still has his full jacket <laughs> on. And um, the really funny thing, after the game, um, I, I'm walking into the shower, and I'm, I'm literally beet red on the top of my upper body. And I'm getting <laughs> in the shower, and Coach Bennett walks by, and he just looks at me, and he does, like, a double take, and he goes <laughs> – just <laughs> uh, uh, it was not a fun, one of my finest moments, but you know, so I, in that game I didn't play, but I I remember bits and pieces. Certainly, the atmosphere to me was just amazing. I was happy to be there. I think, I think Jeff and those guys, because they had won the year before against Cal, mm-hmm. uh, I think they fully expected to win that game. You know, not not, Hey, we're happy to be here. Like we won a game last year. We almost won a second game against Syracuse. We're going to beat Purdue. You know, that right. was there they were that good. And, and coach Bennett was that good that like, I think they fully expected to win that game.
2: I was just happy to be there. <laughs> yeah, right. That Cal game was the Tony shut down Jason Kidd. right? Was that the game? That was Gary Gresh. Um, oh, Gresh. Okay. okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes.
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. So, They uh, and they had another guy named Lamon Murray that was a a lottery pick. They had two lottery picks that game in that team, and um, so that was certainly the biggest win I think in program history for sure.
0: If you could go back to a little bit to like the recruiting process, so what was that like for you coming out of high school in Ashwaubenon, being recruited by UWGB?
1: Well, it was you know the a big thing was I think they just kept hearing about me. You know when 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 Coach Bennett you know, lived in town and would pick up the paper, You'd <laughs> read my name, you know, and there was another guy named Kevin Olm. If you guys remember Kevin, he played at green Bay East and we were the same age and we were the two best players in green Bay. And, um, we both went to their camps growing up. I think we fit. Certainly. I know personally, I, I was not a division one athlete. I just fit really well what they wanted to do. And he saw, I think he saw Kevin and I, Kevin was more of a division one athlete. He was long, six, three, really long arms, um, fairly athletic and, um, really good defender. So I think coach Bennett saw he and I as just a combo, like Kevin's going to penetrate and pitch and I'm going to hit threes. And that's, I I think how they, and and then Kevin could really defend. And that was a question mark for me, but I, I turned into a decent defender and, um, 'Cause you don't play if you can't defend. So yeah. you'll be able to do it. But I think it was I was fortunate to grow up in Green Bay that they just kept hearing about me. I had some other division one interest, but I committed you know, early the summer, um, end of the summer of my going into my senior year. So I didn't wait to play out the senior year. Yeah. So when they offered I had at the time I had some division two schools that I probably was gonna go to, probably would ended up at South Dakota State. Okay. Or or Duluth, um, South Dakota State had a really good program back then, and they were D two, but now they're D one. But they had they really had it rolling back then, and I could have potentially kicked and or punted as well um, yeah. on the football team. So, but as soon as, as soon as you know Green Bay offered that summer, it was like, yep, no no doubt about it. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't the recruiting kind of thing you see now and all the craziness and social media and all that like you just hoped you were good enough. And, and then they (laughs) called, like there was no rankings. And I mean, there, I guess there was kind of, but not, not really.
0: Is there a point in you playing even all the way back into like your younger years that you knew basketball was something that's, that's a thing. It's a possibility for you.
1: (sighs) You know, it's a good question. I, I was always one of the better players in the area. And I think same thing with Kevin at Green Bay East, like there was probably 10 guys who were pretty good in seventh or eighth grade in our area. And I was one of those 10. And then I just kept improving. And that's one thing I keep telling kids at the driveway every day is things change. Kids switch sports, you know, kids grow, kids don't grow. Kids hit puberty. They hit puberty in third grade. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You mm-hmm. just have to keep improving. And, you know, every once in a while somebody is just physically blessed, you know, they're either really tall, really athletic, whatever their physical gift is. But if you're not going to get that, and I knew my, my dad was fairly tall, but my mom was really short. And like, I I knew I wasn't going to be really tall. You better be able to dribble, pass and shoot. And I just worked on those things, you know, nonstop. And I think about my, you know, that summer I went the summer um, going into my senior year, you know, there wasn't all the AAU stuff, but I went to a lot of camps and I, I felt like I was always one of the best players at these camps going against guys from anywhere in the Midwest, I mean, I went to, I got invited to Wisconsin, had a select um, invite-only camp for their top 32 players is basically who it was in Michigan, um, Iowa, Illinois, and Minnesota and Wisconsin. So there was 32 guys there, um, three days, you know, just with the coaches, and I, I felt like I was the best player there no, I I never heard from them again. <laughs> because they probably realized we don't need a a 6-foot shooting guard. But everybody, you know, I played so well and shot so well that the guys other guys at the camp were like, you know, dude, you're walking out of here with a scholarship. You you were you've played the best here. I wasn't the best player. I just yeah. played the best that week. And I did that at three other camps too and really felt like, okay, now I can I know I can play against everybody because you know, there's just only so many guys who can shoot, in it. and for me, it was shooting. So,
2: if you're one of the top shooters in the country, somebody's going to find you. Right. When you're on your driveway, I mean, how many shots are you putting up in in high school, just just on your own? Did you have like your own little routine that that you went through? You had to put X amount of shots up, had to do X amount well, of dribbling. It wasn't. I had a little bit of dribbling routine, and I always I always shoot 100 free
1: throws a day. But as far as um, like, I got to shoot 500 or something like that. Um, no, I just, it was volume. It was just always what I was doing. You know, my mom would make fun of me and, and now, and she's like, you know, it would rain and you'd be like, no, I'm dodging the rain, <laughs> you know, and I would shovel the driveway and I would play in the winter and I would shoot with gloves on. And like, it just was, you know, you could do that because you didn't have a phone and you didn't sit on your you know, computer, right. your laptop, right. your uh, iPad. I mean, it's just what you did. Um, which, like I said, kind of really excites me when my kids could do that other stuff and they're out there shooting yes. around.
2: Um, no, absolutely. Were your parents pretty oh, just letting you kind of decide to, through high school what, what course you wanted to take as far as did they ever push you towards basketball? Did they ever push you towards a sport? No, not at all. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, they let me choose the high school I wanted
1: to go to because I we grew up in that Green Bay Southwest area. So if I would have gone to public school, I would have gone there, but we moved – like about two miles down the road towards Lambeau field. And that was just across the street, but it was in Eshwabanon. But then when we moved into Eshwabanon, I started playing baseball in the summer with Eshwabanon kids and really hit it off and, and got some good friends. And then the, like the basketball guy found me. And so I started doing like the off season stuff in Eshwabanon. So we moved when I was in six going into seventh grade. So then the summer going into my freshman year of high school, my parents let me choose. Do you want to go to Notre Dame? Cause it had switched. That would have been the first full year of Notre Dame.
0: Yep.
1: And I didn't, I didn't really like it. You know, I grew up Premontré, and, and when you, when you went, my brother went to Premontré. you hated Abbott Pennings, right? Because <laughs> yeah. remember Abbott Pennings. Was sure? so cool. yep. like, and now you're going to go to school with those kids. Are you kidding me? You know, like <laughs> the whole concept, I don't think a lot of people my age really liked um and if it would have stayed per mantra i probably would have gone there um mm-hmm. but i didn't really like the whole idea of it being co-ed and and now you're mixed with these guys and couple that with i've got two or three really good buddies now in ashwabanan and i didn't have that really at notre dame i wouldn't have had that i'd and so then i just told my parents i was like i, I want to go to ashwabanan and i you know there was good opportunity to play um you know on the varsity as a younger player whereas i felt like notre dame was pretty stacked in football and basketball and and um but really it came down to friends i had these good buddies who literally i um, i just I spent the night with one the other night um, like we're still good buddies and that was a big deal
2: that's how eric and i are we've known each other since seventh yeah. grade is that right yeah,
1: yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so yeah it, it really came down to that and um and I, it was great. I'm sure Notre Dame would have been fine too, but um I love Deshwavna.
0: You've talked about your dad. You've talked about Tony Bennett. Is there anybody else that you really looked up to as a player as you were growing up that you wanted to emulate that person?
1: Um, you know, I I was really fortunate to have a division one program in town, you know. Yeah. And Ben Johnson um played with Tony, if you guys remember Ben. Sure is a unbelievable still the best defender because he was an assistant coach at green Bay for, for four years when I was there. And we, he was still in great shape and we played the best defender I've ever played against. And it's not even <laughs> close. Um And so I would watch him on defense and Tony on offense. And <laughs> just, I think just having those guys as somebody to look up to, and then certainly and I had some good players that were there when I was a freshman. Um They had a good senior that I would look up to and, um, you know, and guys like that, they just kind of make an impact and, cause you want to be them, you know, I really yeah. had that desire to, you know, someday be that guy, you know, and, and that was really important to me. And, um, certainly Tony being at green Bay was an easy one to emulate, you know, and the Badgers at the time weren't any good. So like I didn't, they weren't good in football. They weren't good in basketball. So I grew up an Iowa fan. Um, <laughs> I and mean, I don't know why Iowa. Just for some reason, I just became an Iowa Hawkeye fan, and they were good in football and basketball, better than the Badgers. Yep. And in fact, one of my favorite—you know—another one of those moments you'll remember forever. My 12th birthday, my parents got me tickets, or got us tickets to go to an Iowa- Wisconsin game at Wisconsin basketball. And so we we go to the game, and I'm decked out. I got Iowa hat, Iowa sweater, <laughs> Iowa sweatpants, black and gold shoes, like decked out. And we had kind of crummy seats, but the cool part was we we went in front of the locker room and, you know, there was 50 or 60 Iowa fans there that were lining both sides of the locker room and, and high-fiving the team as they came out to do warm-ups, right? So I'm 12 years old at that point. Fast forward six years later, I'm a freshman at Green Bay. We're playing at Wisconsin. We come out of that same locker room and there's Green Bay fans lining the the locker room and I'm <laughs> high-fiving And that's like I get chills thinking about that. To go, (laughs) know like how hard I worked from that 12 years old to 18 years old. 18 years old to be the guy that I was high fiving coming out. You know what I mean? And it was it was literally like I I talk about that at the driveway a lot. Like if you if you want you want something, you got to envision it. You got to see it. And that was like the the culmination of that six years of hard work to go from being the kid to being the guy Mm -hmm. running out. So what a great, great
0: story. Yeah. That is awesome. So your college career and you play a GB. Um, so you start to look professionally. Was that something that was on your mind or is this something that like, no, no. Hey, and this it could was, happen.
1: Yeah. It, it certainly wasn't at all. I, 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 wanted to play with this, this group called athletes in action. If you guys are yep. familiar with them, it's a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Group. Yeah. And they, they, and I was fortunate to play on uh, two of their summer Tour teams. So they put together tours in the summer to go overseas and you play ball and then you do some ministry work in the community or yeah. a country I mean, you
2: guys were good. I mean, you had, that was a good team.
1: Yeah. There's, there's, so they they used to do these summer teams and I played on two of them. So I went to Poland and Croatia my first summer. And then I went, or no, I went to Brazil and Peru my first summer and then Poland and Croatia, the second one. So this was the end of my, like my end, of, after my junior, after my senior year. And it was a great way to play. You know, we meet guys from different schools. It was just an, it was a great way to see ministry in real life and, and get out of the country and just see things beyond yourself and get a bigger appreciation for the world and, and God and everything. And then they have this they used to have this fall tour team that would go around and play an exhibition schedule. So, you know, the first two weeks in November, usually the colleges get two exhibition games and so the athletes in action would put together a couple teams and run around and we played the, the one year i played after my senior year we played 15 games in 16 days wow. in 15 different cities I and mean, it was crazy wow. crazy <laughs> super fun i mean and you got paid a little bit but it was really a fun thing we had a good group of guys you play in high level teams um it was super fun so i played on that team so we had like a six-week training camp i was not thinking of playing professionally i was about to do my student teaching in the fall um but i delayed my student teaching um to be able to play on this team because it was like basically all of october november i was going to be with this team so i was just going to delay it a semester and and do it and but not with the goal of playing but as i was doing the six-week training camp and on this team i was one of the better players and and most of these guys were then going to go overseas In play. And I was like, you know, these guys are bigger, faster, stronger, but I was like second leading scorer on the team. You know, I was like, you know, maybe there's something, but it, it still probably wouldn't happen, but I had a connection, a guy that from athletes in action that was part of that team. He was like the general manager, essentially. He knew some, this guy in Australia that was the general manager of a team in kind of the second division in Australia and they were they had just been like put into that second division and they were allowed to imports so american players basically and so the timing was really good i was playing really well and the australia team called him and said hey do you, do you know of anybody and they said hey we got this guy that can shoot and you know he'll build a score for you guys so it just worked out perfect like it's not like I had agents or anything like that. Like it just kind of worked out. And I was like, heck yeah, I want to go live in Australia. (laughs) Uh, And I went, it was great, really amazing people. And, you know, I was able to kind of connect to a church and um, just awesome. I still keep in touch with a couple of the guys Uh, did that for a year and it wasn't super high level ball. You know, it was the the starting five on every team was really good. And then it dropped off quickly. Uh, (laughs) Um, but the level of basketball was really good uh, for, for you know at, at that that level and um just it was great because there's no language barrier like i ha- i was able to run you know be part of basketball camps at the rec center that own the team and it's very different there's no high school and college sports over there so it's okay. structured very different but amazing experience life experience and um And I was going to go back the plan. I didn't really have anything keeping me here. The plan was to go back for three years and just commit, you know, and just maybe I'll live there. I I could have easily lived there. It was beautiful. And then I met my wife on a blind date (laughs) and I was home. I was home for like three months and I was going to go back and we met on a blind date. And I was like,
2: <laughs> um,
1: she's not gonna wait for me for three years and and she was still in college and it was like uh this
2: okay i had my fun. i'm good now <laughs> that's awesome yeah it was crazy do i remember correctly did tony play in new zealand or australia as well yeah, New Zealand. yep yeah he okay he in the nba for three years and then he got hurt
1: and um i think if he doesn't get hurt he's probably a ten-year veteran, you know, he was because every team you need a, a backup point guard for eight to fifteen minutes a game. You know, the guy right. who comes in for the last couple minutes of the first quarter, first couple minutes, of the second quarter. You know, there's every team has one of those guys, and he was doing that really well. He wouldn't have been a starter, but he would have probably been a backup point guard for ten years if he hadn't got hurt. But once he got healthy again, then he went over there and and, and played, I think, and coached as well.
0: Hey, I something you brought up and I don't want to gloss over your coaching experience at college and things like that, but you mentioned student teaching. So I want to try to tie that into the driveway is, is in the driveway you're teaching, you're, you're coaching, you're at that ground level. Um, Was that in the back of your mind when you're coaching college, when you're playing in Australia, that this is something that I want to bring back to youth and bring back to my area.
1: I, no, I, I certainly didn't have visions of doing what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, I, I liked coaching. You know, I certainly thought I would coach at some level. And I did, did my student teaching, and I coached, like, seventh and eighth grade at the school I was student teaching at. And then I went out to Massachusetts and coached. I was an assistant coach at a college, a small, like, Division three college, kind of like a St. Norbert or something like that, in, in just north of Boston did that for a year and really liked that really liked college and thought okay this is what i'm going to do and then came home i didn't uh, the, the head coach the guy that i was coaching with he was the head coach he quit at the end of the year to um, he actually had used to work for athletes in action he wanted to go back to doing that and so i basically ran the team the second half of the season because um, he was kind of gone and kind of checked out he knew he was leaving so he let me kind of run things which was great as a 25 year old assistant coach i'm like totally hands-on and um, and then i interviewed for the job and it came down to me and another guy but this guy had like 10 years of head coaching experience at the d3 level and he was by far the better choice he ended up being really good there um but i didn't get the job but I, i i was like okay i'm gonna be a college coach so one of the things you have to do to to you know just like a box you have to check is you you have to get your master's degree so i we were in green Bay at the time we'd just gotten married. Um, and I went to Oshkosh to get my master's degree. So I started taking classes there and then was an assistant at St. Norbert college for a year. All while, all the while, like, okay, I'm going to get my master's and then I'll start applying for jobs. But then, you know, you get married and it's like, okay, well, that might change. <laughs> and so, Life, life happened and decided not to be a college coach. And, actually you know went work for a pharmaceutical company in milwaukee while my wife was in grad school and then you know didn't didn't love it and felt like there's got to be something else that i can do and stumbled across this job at appleton lions church they wanted to use sports as a way to reach out in the community and my wife was actually at a conference with their pastor and he was sharing it was a it was like a she does consulting work and they were her group was consulting with these pastors and he shared the vision of the church that so they wanted to use sports as a way to communicate and, and reach out to the community. She drove home. We were in Milwaukee at the time. She drove home from Appleton told me about this church and this job that they were going to be looking, starting to look for. And I got in my car the next morning and drove up to greet to Appleton and hand delivered my resume. And, and um, they're like, and, and, <laughs> cause I, I remember I showed up, at the front desk and the lady was like well what are you doing you don't have an appointment because the pastor the head pastor the senior pastor there's very hard to get a hold of like okay he's busy and you pastor can't,
2: episcopal right yes,
1: yes you can't just roll in and talk. Yeah. so i rolled <laughs> in no appointment no phone call nothing i just was like i'm gonna try and make an impression you know and and so i just showed up you know drove an hour and a half or whatever it was and and she's like well you can just sit there if you want but he's not gonna be able to see it you know So i waited and waited and waited and then finally he had some time and i went in and i introduced myself and and we hit it off pretty good and he's like you know we're not really even starting to hire somebody but when we do we'll we'll contact you well just you know i was always the first guy on their list just because i was the first guy to even interview about or, or even like show interest so that i did that for 10 years and that was great and that wow. part of that job was was you know running camps i started running outdoor basketball camps in the summer 95 degrees and right you know yelling over the highway and really <laughs> and just built it from nothing to something to the point where in 2016 um and, and so I, I was doing that That was part of my job at the church but it was only in the summer during the school year i ran other programs and stuff for the church and um but then I had a side business as well. I started Ryan Borowitz basketball, which is just a, yep. a way to do instruction on my own. And I would go to kids' houses and work with them, or I'd meet them at a park, or I'd, you know, run a shooting clinic for their seventh grade team or whatever. And that really kind of started getting busier and busier. And and then in 2016 I was like, okay, both both things are getting busier. I can't do both. I, I have to choose one or both are gonna be not good. And so I I just, you know, I was 40 and I knew if I didn't do the driveway, I would have regretted it, you know, 10 years down the road. And I just got just made that choice like, okay, this is it. You know, (laughs) we're (laughs) going to put our savings into this and didn't have any money, but just emptied our 401k stuff and just said, we're going to do this and found a bank partner, which was really fortunate because a bunch of banks told me no okay and and, um, and so that's kind of the, the story of how the driveway started but back to your question about instruction and, and teaching I always knew I wanted to coach I didn't know what that would look like because what I do now wasn't even a thing when I was a college player you right. know it wasn't even an industry now it's a, a full-on industry there's skills trainers everywhere right. um so you know it wasn't a thing that you look you thought you could do you either coached a team or you didn't you know exactly. <laughs> now i'm fortunate because i get to coach skills and and you know what i like about it is like that's kind of how i see the game when i watch a game i'm watching a guy's footwork i'm watching his his how he handles the ball and i'm watching his shooting form and and sometimes i don't see the fact that oh they should be in a 1-3-1 zone because that team can't you know what i mean like there's the x and o side and then there's the skill side and i've always looked at the game from the skill side so it fits how i see the game really well because that's what i'm looking for anyway
0: how many athletes do you have come through the driveway in a given time period?
1: Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> well, our summer camps, you know, 10 weeks, 65 camps, probably 2,500 kids. Oh, my gosh. And that's just in the camp. So if I mean, you guys probably don't know the facility, there's the gym side, and then there's a the shooting cage side. Yep. And in the shooting, so while we have two camps every day, 30 to 35 kids, in the morning for a different 30 to 35 in the afternoon and we do that every day on the other side of the building there's kids using their membership for the shooting cages and there's kids doing one-on-one training with our staff um at the same time so it's it's really busy in the summer and then throughout the school year it is too there's different kind of seasons kind of like four different seasons of of things where we offer different things i couldn't give you a number as far okay. as how how many kids come through? We do from first grade all the way through college players. Wow, so,
0: you employ a lot of young athletes, like yeah. high school kids. I, yep. I my son goes. Well, he went. He's graduated this year. He goes to FVL. I know uh, one of his uh, his buddies works for you. I think uh, yeah. his name is Isaac Knoll. Yep, yeah.
1: yeah. So it's really cool because I've known Isaac since probably he was in seventh grade, sixth grade. He used to come to my camps and then he and i did a lot of individual work the last couple years one-on-one time um and now i get to you know hire him to work with kids in the summer so i love that like i've got four or five of those people on my staff this summer and every summer so this summer we have probably 20 20 people on staff wow normally there's three of us full-time myself and two others are full-time year-round and then we have you know three or four front desk people to help out here and there we have kids that run, like high school kids, we'll hire to run birthday parties. We do a ton of birthday parties throughout the year. And then in the summer, we have, all you know, anywhere from eight to 10 current college players that are kids that I've worked with for the most part as they were growing up and came to our camps. and And now they get to be the ones in front of the kids, which is really cool. That's it's so fun. Last night I took a, took the staff out for dinner, uh, just kind of wind down the summer thing. Cause some of them are starting to head back to school or sure whatever. And it was just fun to sit there. Cause then I met with, I don't know if you guys remember the Campbell sisters, Eliza and Olivia, they played at Oshkosh. They, they won two state championships at Notre Dame when Notre Dame started their, their big run here. Sure. And the Campbell sisters worked for me for five years, five summers. Wow. And, and they were there last night, you know? And so like, and Zach Hayes, he played at Wrightstown. Zach worked for me for three summers. So like, and Zach and I started working, he came to my camps in sixth grade and now he's, <laughs> you know, mid twenties. And we get, you know, so it's really a cool thing. It makes me feel old, but it's really cool to like, <laughs> have these kids like Isaac that we're campers and now they get to be the coach. And, you know, it's really cool.
0: I I would assume that it makes you feel old, but you also get to pass on those ideals you have as a human to these young young uh, athletes as well and that's something that's probably super special to you also
1: well and it like there's you know not most of these kids that we work with aren't going to be college basketball players some of them might not even play in high school and but i get a chance to impact them through a a stupid little basketball and (laughs) like how cool is that you know and I, I just feel it's a real privilege that and it it wakes me up every morning with a smile like i get a chance to do this you know that that whole thing about the the word get versus half you know i have to go to work and deal with basketball kids you know all day versus i get to work with kids every day and get to right. share all this impact and life experiences that i've had and you know i end every camp every day so twice a day i i give a, a talk at the end of every camp and So that's 65 times over the summer where (laughs) I get, you know, I get 30 sets of eyes and 20 sets of parents' eyes, and they're locked into what I'm saying for 10 minutes and it has nothing to do with basketball, but yet it's weaved in the course of basketball. And, you know, today I talked about, you know, putting into what you uh, are getting out of sports, what you put into it and getting out of life, what you put into it. And, I used a basketball as as a thing, as a, a prop in the demo, but it just drew the kid's eyes, you know, and you could hear a pin drop because they're focused on what I'm saying because it has to do with a, a, a game, you know what I mean? Right. But yet it's way more than the game. So I really take that serious, like that opportunity and privilege that parents give me by paying their money to, to send their kid to my camp. Because anybody can teach them basketball and that's great and and i we we take that serious too but to me it's that 10 minutes at the end of the camp that i get a real chance to impact somebody yesterday i, I shared a story i read the story years ago and i share it all the time and it's about the two guys that tried to be the first explorers to find the south pole and they you know one guy had a plan and a purpose and he had purpose is one of our words for the summer. So it, it, like we have four words, a theme, we have a theme called choose your path for this summer, P A T H purpose, attitude, toughness, hustle. Those are four things you can choose. You can't choose your coach. You can't choose how tall you're going to be, but you can choose those things. And so purpose was the word. And so I told the story about, you know, the one guy who, who was just going to wing it, you know, they were just going to go, you know, they, they were going to go 50 miles per day. If they could, and if the weather wasn't good, they'd sit in their tents. Versus the guy who, who, who this guy named Amundsen in his true story, he, you know, he had a 20 mile march and he was going to go 20 miles no matter what every single day. And, you know, the, it's the South Pole. So there's terrible weather and all this. And Amundsen went 20 miles every day and he reached his goal the day that he planned on reaching it. Whereas Scott, the other guy, you know, they went 50 miles one day. But then the guys were the, the guys in the crew were so exhausted they couldn't move the next day. Then a storm rolls in. Keeps them in their tents for seven days. Meanwhile, Amundsen 20 miles every single day. And I equated that to the kids like, you want to be a good basketball player? You want to play in varsity? You're in seventh grade right now. What are you going to do every day to get there? Yeah. You know, just like Amundsen. Or are you just going to play in one tournament like Scott and say, well, hopefully, hopefully I get better this term. Or are you going to be in your driveway doing something every single day, 20 miles every day? You know, so like being able to tie those kind of stories and lessons into. Basketball, I just love it. Like it's my favorite thing to do.
0: That's a that's a great perspective. I mean, I have my boys don't play basketball. They're hockey, lacrosse, and uh, but it's the same type of thing. What are you going to do every single day to help you improve? And mm-hmm. it's taking shots in the driveway. It's shooting into the net in the backyard for lacrosse. It's it's those things that we've as a society, unfortunately, we've kind of gone away from. And it's refreshing to hear you talk about, you know, making those commitments mm-hmm. so that's, you know, that, that's awesome. I, well, I really appreciate like, that.
1: It really transfers into real life too. Cause like right. you're, you're in sales, you got to make those calls every day, whether you want to or not, you know, you <laughs> yep. like my job, I don't have like, summer is as busy as could be but we start planning for the fall in july and i can't just say nah no i'm not gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) we have stuff we have to do in july in july to get ready for october you know so it's it's that you know i try to put in i don't know their seventh grade their fifth grade they might not get it but i know they're listening and i know as a parent i i love when my kids can be impacted by other people besides me and so I know when those parents are sitting up there and they're watching and they're hearing me talk, I'm really speaking for them. And I'm, yeah. I'm to the kid, I'm not their parent. So they're going to listen to me. Right. And, you know, it's kind of funny because like I'm still this coach who they like today. I made, I, I do a shooting demonstration for my, my shooting clinics and I made 66 in a row from 17 feet today. <laughs> <Nice. So> instantly, <laughs> I have credibility, right? I'm yep. not. I'm not just this random guy who's running basketball camp. This guy's teaching me to shoot. He just made 66 shots in a row. I better listen. So now <laughs> at the end of camp, I also get their attention because I'm talking about things other than making shots. You right. Know what I mean? So it's kind of a neat way to tie in like this skill that, you know, God gave me and, and, the, and I worked real hard at, but yet I'm using it for something else.
2: When, when you're addressing the kids and, and you'd mentioned that, parents are sitting up in the bleachers do, do you think they take in the message too and really think I've about had it? Parents do that for sure um
1: you know i certainly don't like put myself on a pedestal like oh I'm, I'm gonna i'm here to teach everybody and i'm here i'm i'm giving myself these lessons as much as anything and mm-hmm. you know i i know i but i have had parents you know come up to me and say thank you i needed to hear that like not oh. <laughs> their kid needed to hear that yeah you <laughs> know. but i know that as a parent again like I know that me saying that goes a long ways for them. Cause now they can talk about it in the car on the way home and it's not them giving their kid a life lesson and like, okay, mom, whatever, you know, or okay, dad, it's, Hey, coach is talking about that thing at the end of camp. What did you think about that? Oh yeah. He was talking about this and that they'll talk about it because it's not them saying it it was me, even though it's probably the same message they're trying to get across as parents. Right. It's incredible. Right. Well, what a gift you give them. It, it's it's, it is, it's, it's a gift. Well, I, and one of my things I've I've always said, and I've always felt this, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, you know, that's a biblical thing. And, and for me, I had good parents. I had a good upbringing. I had opportunity. I had blessing. Like, I was given much. I worked hard for things, too. But now much is expected of me. And I say the same thing to my sons. Like, you know,
2: you've been given much now do something with it (laughs) yeah right ryan i can't think of a better way to end this than than that i mean what a powerful message
0: well i do have one thing to ask you not not totally not totally end this but i'm going to go all the way back to the beginning in your fly fishing so we interviewed tim a couple weeks ago and tim is tim is a really good friend of mine um i i can't remember how long i've known him um but has tim taught you some things with fly fishing (laughs) Yeah,
1: I did my, so I got into fly fishing about 20 years ago and it was, you know, I did, I've always loved the mountains, but I had never been to the mountains until, you know, we got married and and we started going out there. And, um, I did a fly fishing trip in Colorado on the Eagle river and it was like, oh boy, this is my thing. You know, there's just, (laughs) there's something about it. Just like for some people, bow hunting is there, you know, like, and And i liked fishing growing up but then when i did that i was like oh this is different this is i like this and then the next like couple days later i was driving to this little creek that we live by and there was some northern in there and i had my spinning rod i didn't have a lot of gear at all in fact i had one fishing rod and i i rolled the back window up and the rod was sticking out and it broke the tip and i was like well i guess i'll become a fly fisherman now (laughs) and so so i I probably that was probably my first time when i went to the to tight lines and they you know they used to be on main street and depeter and i went there and and um so then i and i didn't know tim real well you know you're just the guy another guy in the shop kind of thing but i did a couple trips with him when i was really getting into it so got to know him through that and then i don't know four three four years ago I started. I, I called him and this other guy that I knew, Jeremy Moore. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jeremy. He, he runs a, something called Moore Outdoors. He does dog training, and then he yeah. does. Yep. He invented this thing called the Licking Stick. Um, it's he it makes these hunting products. Right. Really cool business. Uh, went to Eschweibnern. I didn't know him really well then, but so Tim and I and Jeremy get together every quarter or so and just talk shop. You know, talk <laughs> business stuff, and because we kind of have similar. Businesses, even though we're in totally different industries, like you still deal with the same problems. Um, so anyway, I've gotten to know Tim really well now through that, and that's just really we every time we do it, we're like, Man, we need to do this every month, and (laughs) we'll we'll knock off two hours, no problem, you know. And um, so then, yeah, I I don't know what it was about fly fishing. There's you know, I I like to be by myself. I'm actually surprisingly, I'm an introvert, even though I spend most of my day around people um but when i can get out by myself and fish like like i'm going to do in a week and a half here uh that's that's heaven
0: <laughs> that's awesome I, I my good friend uh sam Tion introduced me to tim and they crash coursed me on how to fly fish and then oh, like yeah? a month later we flew down to key west oh my gosh so i'm i'm trying to fly fish in key west which it didn't wow. go well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. um i've developed a love for it as well and i've been out with tim and When Sam, Tim, and I get together, it's it's not really a guide trip. Yeah, he stole a lot of fish from me, (laughs) uh, but it was fun. It's cool. Tim's a great guy, and I'm you know he uh, he really I I I, I'll say this he was he really wanted us to to interview you as well because he had a lot of respect for you, and uh, we had a great time up at a shop. Um, I always have a good time when I go up there. Yeah, and uh, this was. Ryan this is awesome you, you, you yeah, a great I individual and I, I knew a little bit about you from uh, my son will's friends and Isaac and uh, you're, you're the real deal what you're doing <laughs> is fantastic and it's uh, such a such a refreshing look for these kids in this community and a, a great thing you offer uh,
1: thanks guys it's it's you know I feel very very fortunate to I mean this is my job I mean are you kidding me like (laughs) there's times I go to work and I I live really close to the driveway it's like a two-minute drive and you know you drive by P and I've had tough jobs I've had jobs I didn't like I had jobs I had to do you know like I said but you know I I walk by or I drive by people and I'm like that guy's probably going to a job he doesn't like you know (laughs) and I get to do this are you kidding me so even though it's crazy hours and it's it's physically demanding like it's very rewarding um and you get a chance you know we had some lady was from kingsford michigan was at camp the last three days like they spent two nights in a hotel they came to camp for three three straight days and they came up to me afterwards they walked across the court you know to come and talk to me just say thanks this is great and like you know that I know I had an impact on that kid, you know, and that's really cool because people like Tony Bennett had an impact on me, and yeah. so to be able to, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected, you know, to to be able to take that gift of impact that he gave to me and others, and now pass that on is really cool.
0: Well, I tell you what. Our goal in this uh, podcast is to share stories and we are truly privileged to share your story and talk about the driveway. And, uh, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us.
1: Thanks guys. It was really fun. I I enjoy, you know, getting to know other people and and doing these kind of things is really fun. and, And sharing my stories is, is great too.
0: Joe, that was one of my favorite interviews. Um, I didn't know what to expect talking with Ryan. Uh, I knew about him. Never met him before. And it was just a a nice flowing, just an informative interview. I really enjoyed that. I did too, and I
2: really enjoyed the message. I think it came through in the interview. One of the things that just absolutely we use the word refreshing a couple of times in the interview but to have that type of approach to mentoring and to teaching kids how to play the game of basketball was to me just you just don't hear that anymore and and that's i believe that's ultimately what we all want is somebody to teach our kids and entrust our kids with is that type type of mentality where they're just, there's no pressure. You know, there's, yeah. there's, it's not AAU. It, it's just, I'm going to show you how to shoot a basketball. I'm going to show you how to work hard. I'm going to show you life skills. Right. that Yes. They're going to help you on the basketball court, but they're really going to help you the rest of your life. And and that to me is what a coach
0: is all about. Yeah. And you know, we're continuing this theme too, as we hear these uh, hear these people talk um, about multiple sports, playing multiple sports. And even, you know, even though he runs the driveway, stress that idea of multiple sports as well. It's one of those unintentional consequences that happen from
2: from talking to all those people. We're so hyper-focused that you have to be a specific athlete in a specific sport, and you have to do this, and and you have to do that. You're right. Every single person that we've talked to so far in the new cast have have all played multiple sports, and they're all the top in, in whatever sport they're in but it was after years of playing multiple sports right. and
0: it's, it's eye opening.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Go check out the driveway and
0: we can't thank Ryan enough. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. And if you're enjoying these, uh, these podcasts and these stories, feel free, you know, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, uh, download, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Uh, hey, we're even in Guatemala now. So we've hit big time, but Tasha's right. I mean,
2: we're, literally on our hands and knees right now, begging you to share this, to like this, to listen to it. It The numbers, they they, they really, really, really do help, and, and they help groups like us, especially. I think we have some pretty good content. I mean, where else are you going to just really learn about people like like we've been able to learn about here on the NoosaCast?
0: Absolutely. Well, that was, like I said, another great interview, another great story, probably even better, uh, that we had here on the NoosaCast.
2: Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. It's throwback time, Tosh. This is a big one. This is a huge one. This is a great one. This is... Uh, I still have to pinch myself to make sure that this actually happened.
0: Yeah, you know, like you said, this was a huge one. Huge one for the Red Smith uh, Awards. Um, a big, big name and just a lot so of So huge. In fact, we haven't even said the name yet. Right. This is Bill Walton. The, the stream of consciousness... And this uh, throwback that you're only getting a clip of here on the podcast is absolutely incredible. He talked and talked and talked. I'm still talking. Might yeah. still be talking. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was fantastic. But remember, this is only a clip because you can get the full throwback on our YouTube channel as well. And that is a that is a treat. You definitely want to take some time and watch the YouTube channel for that throwback of Bill Walton, because the entire, I want to say it's an interview, but it's, it's Bill Walton. It's Bill. Just talking. Bill
2: Walton was in Appleton, Wisconsin, and we had it recorded and you get to
0: see it. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you really like this as well, don't forget to uh, check out Bill's uh, ESPN, the luckiest man alive, four episodes. Uh, I watched it. It's fantastic. Um, You hear some of the stuff that he talks about uh, in that as well during this interview. So, Hope you enjoy this clip. And I do say a clip because it is only a small piece of Bill Walton talking.
1: Red Smith Sports Awards. Banquet throwback.
3: The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin. And also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited.
2: Let's give a Red Smith welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Mr. Bill Walton.
3: Wow. What a deal. I made it. I made it. It's past my bedtime pretty much, but I just got off the Grateful Dead tour, ready to go here. Listening to the curlers throwing stones, I thought that was the song we were chanting for. Or it was about going to a, on a trip to the urologist. I'm not sure. But to hear the stories, to hear the stories of Casey... And now I can't figure out, was it Leroy or was it Roy Lee? Or was that just me hearing Roy Lee? I mean, I, I couldn't figure that one out, but just to hear their stories of my life, couldn't have been more different. And then the curling guys, yeah. Curling, that's my favorite sport. I just happened to be 6'11 and, and, and I'm, I'm much better at getting high than getting low. So, but the, the The opportunity to come to the basketball capital of this universe. Oh, my gosh. The home of our Milwaukee Bucks and how fantastic. And we can only hope that they do it again this year because it's such a beautiful team and a beautiful community and love everything about it. And to be here today and have the incredible warm reception and welcome that I got here in Appleton today and and to have the the pick up last night at the airport in Milwaukee by Joe and then an incredible tour of your beautiful, magnificent city this morning by Mackenzie. Young Mackenzie, oh my gosh. There is nothing better than to see the smile on the faces of young people and to see the video up here where you just gave all this money to enable, to empower people and then to come here tonight and to be able to meet uh, Jim and Lisa. Mackenzie's parents and all the people who have spent so much of their lives to build this remarkable community And I I was really thrilled to be able to get to Lawrence College today Because that was my first choice to go to college, but (laughs) uh, But I couldn't get in (laughs) So I had so I had to go to a public school in Los Angeles And when I was at the NBA 75 celebration in Cleveland, uh, February 18th, not that I remember the date, but I had the privilege of, uh, of reacquainting with Giannis and what an incredible human being he is. And I have no idea. I never assume that anyone knows me or anything about me. So I always introduce myself. My name is Bill, two L's, and I'm from San Diego. And I've got this brand new team back here that I sat with at the table with Michael, with Accelerate, and then Jim, excuse me, Jen, and Kip, and Ryan, and Luke, and Chris, and Bill. And it's just a spectacular team joining some of the other great teams I've been part of. UCLA and the Portland Trailblazers and the Boston Celtics. And if we had had Steve Ballmer as our owner on the Clippers instead of Donald Sterling, we would have been a lot better off. And if you ever doubt the value and power and importance of leadership, just check out the difference between the the criminal nature and behavior of Donald Sterling with the worst basketball and even worse business practices. Oh my gosh! Uh, and now you have Steve Ballmer, and he's running just the model franchise. Absolutely incredible, and and. Uh, But when I was with Giannis at the All-Star 75, uh, we were just chatting aimlessly, mindlessly, which is the worst kind of conversation to have. But we were just having a good time and a good laugh. And I I, kind of had to tell him that, you know, that I had gone to UCLA. And he said, he looked at me with that really fine accent that he has. He says, oh, is that a college? In Los Angeles? And I said, yes. <laughs> and, but to be here you know, on the heels of a championship for the Bucks and the Bucks with the championship uh, 50, 50 years ago, because that was a team that was all anchored by UCLA people with Kareem, Oscar, yes, he went to Cincinnati, but Lucius Allen, incredible. Bob Dandridge, I mean, all these guys, Hall of Famers, phenomenal players out there. And then Larry Costello, who just went into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And it was just absolutely spectacular for uh, me to be with Giannis, with Steph, and all the other heroes, Kevin Durant and all the players who are going to be deciding in front of our lives, the future, because the winners get to write history. And uh, listen to young Casey here. and and, and the stories i mean before i got here today i i I thought lacrosse was a city in wisconsin (laughs) (laughs) and and then i heard him speak and uh, and and i'm asking myself i mean uh, i have one skill in life one skill and that is that I have somehow, some way, able to get to places where I don't belong. And, and that's this stage too, with uh, Leroy or Roy Lee, I can't figure it out, you're gonna help me with this, Shane. And then Casey, and then the Curlers, Colin and John and John, and the other guy, I didn't get his name, but the guy with the hair. And, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and to see that, and to be here too, in the presence of Abby, our phenomenal anthem singer. And I had the privilege of having my picture made with Abby before the show tonight and to be able to be in her presence when she was just glowing up here on the stage and and how much fun that is, because I love the anthem. And the anthem is like religion, it's like spirituality, it's like humanity. There's a lot of us, and we're all different. But that moment before the moment of truth, which is the national anthem, when they play the song and whatever it means to you, but that's that's your private time. And you don't get a lot of private time in life when you just get to think and you just get to dream and you just get to feel. And I was just reliving all the memories, all the memories that I had uh, through young Abby uh, because her opportunity as just a a young child getting up here on the stage. And I was so super lucky because I, I found sports when I was eight years old. And when when I say found it was a simple twist of fate you know i i hear the ticking of the clock how long must i wait for that simple twist of fate people tell me it's a sin to know and feel too much within blame it on that simple twist of fate but my parents the greatest parents ever right but we had nothing you know i'm not like leroy roy lee i'm not like casey i'm not like john john colin and the hair dude you know I I was not. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, You know, I I I was lucky to have a plastic spoon. But while we had nothing in terms of material possessions, we had everything because we had a family and I had great parents, greatest parents ever who had zero interest in sports. Zero. I never shot a basket with my dad. I saw him run one time at the church picnic and fell over laughing. It wasn't St. Joseph's Church right next door to here. No, but we beat them badly. And so, and then my mom was our town's librarian. But I was super lucky in that I found my first coach when I was eight years old, following my older brother. Now, my older brother recently passed, uh, two years, 18 months older than me. Uh, He was a football player. He played for all of your favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. And after being an All-America at UCLA, Academic All-America. But Bruce and I are the only brothers in the history of the world, or at least of this world, to have played in the Super Bowl and to have won the NBA championship. And so here it was one day after school. I'm following Bruce home, and he wasn't going home. And I kept saying, what's going on? Where are we going? What's happening? And he said, just follow me. And so I did. And I found sports and my very first coach that day. His name was Rocky. And he had another name, but nobody ever called him anything other than Rocky. Rocky was a pillar of our community. He was a fireman. And when I was out there just on the east side of Appleton North High School, and I saw the Lungard Park being ready to be built for the next generations and I can think of a fireman at 40 years old in this town gunned down at the bus station because he did what firemen do you see a need you see trouble and you head right for it and you say I'll take care of this firefighter Lungard he gave his life for us Rocky, he gave his life for us. He wasn't gunned down. No, Rocky. He was the volunteer coach at our elementary school for 57 years (laughs) and he never took a penny. And when he was uh, when he finally died, he died just a couple years ago. But he he did everything. Uh, When he finally died, he was the richest guy I've ever known in my life. And We can't sit here today and say that Rocky knew anything about sports, but he knew life and he knew fun and he knew joy and he knew how to build a team and build a community. And what I have seen here in Appleton has just reaffirmed my belief that the effort it's going to take to get to tomorrow is worth it because, you know, we live these blessed and privileged lives and privilege, it, it demands responsibility and obligation and duty, and the duty that we are realizing right here in this room. And all you have to do, there's been, this has been a great program and a great event and wonderful city. And I mean, and Appleton, when I think of Appleton, I just think of this beautiful, sunny spring day that we had today. And that's all we get here is just nothing but endless sunshine. And so, <laughs> And so when we had all the speakers up here, and then the last video, And the children receiving the tools, the equipment, and whether it's sporting equipment or whether it's a computer or a new tablet or whether it's some clothes or whether it's some food or whatever it is they need, because that's what this group is all about. You know, the Red Smith Awards, I'll take care of that. And you guys certainly have done that. And I saw that in your community today. And so as I've been on just an incredible run in my life, going from the NBA's all-time 75 team. I mean, it was remarkable when I got that information back in September of 21. I was in Houston giving a a talk and a speech to a big real estate conference, and I got home that night, I was checking all my electronics and all the communication that we have today, and there it was, that I had been named one of the top 75 players in the history of the NBA. And I said, yeah, man! (laughs) So let me ask you this, Bill. Of all the accolades, and they're a mile long, there's a million of them. What are you most proud of? I'm not proud. I'm disappointed, and I'm ashamed, and I'm embarrassed that I wasn't able to do more. And I'm the most injured player ever. I missed my 14 year NBA career. I heard KC talk about his incredible longevity and skills and records and championships. And then I think what he said was that his brothers came up and beat all those. Is that what what he said? Yeah, I mean, I thought lacrosse was a city. And and so, when I was fortunate enough to go into the Hall of Fame and Uh, They told us it was March 10th, 1993, not that I remember the date. They told us we each had five minutes, five minutes to to say our thanks and express our gratitude. Well, at the 16-minute mark of my first, uh, you know, of my five minutes. I I took my first breath, <laughs> and the guy in the back of the room, where Joe's standing over there, who's monitoring the situation for the NBA and realizing that the, the bars in Western Massachusetts close early, and so we had to get out of there that night. He, as I took my first breath at the 16-minute mark, he said, "Come on, Walton, let's wrap this speech up. It's lasting longer than your career did." <laughs> But I'm proud of being part of something special. And I'm, I'm proud that the nicest thing that anybody's ever said about me as a basketball player was that I helped my teammates play better. I'm proud to have been part of incredibly special teams, teams whose records still stand to this very day. I'm proud of the choices that I've made. They haven't all turned out to be the right choices, but they were, at the time, I thought they were right. And so, I, I did those. And I don't live a life where I'm I'm worried about external forces. I try to be the best that I can be. I'm always reminded of another Coach Wooden mantra. It's not how or what you teach, it's who the teachers are themselves. We have not taught until they've learned. And so as I go through this whole deal, and I was made it to all the tops of all these different mountains, I realized that as you're climbing these mountains, and you're getting near the top, and you look back down, and you say, Oh, my God, I can't believe I came this far. And then I get to the top, and I look out, and there's ever more mountains out there in front of us. And how many more different opportunities, how many more different challenges there are, and how many different privileges there are for me to go out there and try to do something to put that smile on those people's faces. And as I live this life of the constant pressure and the stress and 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 to be at the final four and to be at that game of forever between Duke and North Carolina and all these guys just trying so hard and the world writing the the movie about how Coach K is going to go out on his final game. And it's all right there. And everybody's playing so great in the crowd and just animosity, hatred, love bliss, perfection, and it's all right there. And then at the very end of this scripted story of Coach K going out on his white horse Mescalito into the distance, North Carolina, of all teams, comes in and says, no, man, we're right in the ending here because we never know how these games are going to play out. And while this world of stress and anxiety and anticipation and uncertainty and doubt and hesitation and risk and failure, it's all right there, and that's my life every single day, When we were coming home the other day and we were, it was the worst of everything, you know, traffic, L.A., California, smog, dirt, dust, I mean, the things I do a lot of, ride my bike and go on airplanes, and in those two situations, you see the best of humanity and you see the worst of humanity, and so there I was, and I was involved in just the worst of it all, and I'm just frustrated and angry and upset, and, and I'm just going ready, just crazy to a place I didn't want to be. And my wife, Lori, is just sitting over there, just so calm and so poised and so quiet, but just so helpful in every way. And as I'm right about to lose it, she reaches over and taps me on the arm, and she says, hey, big boy, just remember, You were just named one of the 75 greatest players in the history of the NBA. I'm indeed the luckiest guy in the world, and I can see Joe with my peripheral vision, I can see (laughs) the guy with the hair, and I know it's time to go, so...
2: One more time, the Hall of Famer, Bill Walton. All right, Tash, it's that time again.
0: Want to play a little? It's forgotten, and I'm never forgetting. Yep. We'll, we'll try to try to run through this again. We always kind of mess it up a little bit. But that is. Hey, we'll get it that down. That was the at smoothest point. it's
2: ever been said, though. I, I have to say, it took us seven episodes, but we got it. <laughs>
0: I think you're right. Well, what are you forgetting, Tash? <laughs> well, I'm gonna go, and this is a kind of an interesting one because uh, maybe interesting to me. Um, I'm gonna say I want to forget chain restaurants. Yeah. I don't want to say that i totally want to forget them because sometimes you just need a meal that you know what it's going to taste like and maybe when you're traveling that chain restaurant is is a good thing that you see because it's, it's you know right. what it's going to be but overall when we look at our community and we look at our small towns um i would rather see more of the small restaurants the locals Absolutely. the one-offs maybe two of them in town um the chain restaurants are great but you know we, we lost. Uh, lost hudinis yes. which is a local one-off restaurants and uh, we know there's we've had lots of them in the past that um, that we've uh, that we've lost so the chain restaurant although it serves a purpose overall kind of like to forget the chain well, restaurant Kind of agree, i think
2: those those quaint little restaurants those mom and pop diners that that's the fabric of the fabric of the town that you live in and usually almost always the best absolutely. food absolutely what do you got, Joe? Well, Tash, you know, we're in we're in football season and I'm a high school football official, and one thing that I'm very, very thankful that I'm forgotten is the old enforcement rule of holding. This this rule should have been changed years ago, and I cannot thank the NFHS enough for finally changing it to the college rule. So in years past, if you in high school football so you had a basic running play and you held five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's first and 10. You held five yards behind the line of scrimmage. That was the enforcement spot. The spot of the penalty is where, where that enforcement took place. So a simple holding turned into a 15-yard penalty. Sometimes it was a 20-yard penalty if you had a pass play and the holding you know held 10 yards sure. back. Now they're going to the traditional where you see in college where it goes to the previous spot. So it would be where the ball was snapped on the previous snap. So in essence a holding now turns into a ten yard foul, which is the way it should be, I believe. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I am thankfully have forgotten the old enforcement rule
0: in the NFHS. Take that one off your plate absolutely. to remember, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well good. That'll be a that'll be a big change for high school. Yeah. I mean, really truly changing uh changing some of the outlooks of of possibly decisions by coaches and plays. I'll be I mean, it a positive oh, it absolutely in will. Ways.
2: And it, it, the biggest thing is that it was just a catastrophic foul for something that does happen, you know, quite right. a bit is just the basic holding. I mean, it just, if you held it at any point on, on, on any series, you were pretty much done uh, most, most teams. So yeah, it, it's a much needed change. It's a change that that's, people have been crying for for years. And then they finally, the NFHS fin- finally changed. And you'll, you'll notice, I mean, there's, there's literally a hundred rule definitions or a rule differences between high school, the NFL, and college. And one of the frustrations with officials is people, you know, people think it's Sunday out there on a Friday night. Well, no, it's a whole different set of rules. You know, people <laughs> people aren't used to that. But usually what happens is that the NFL has their set of rules. Then you have college, and college tries to catch up with the NFL, and high school is, is below that. So eventually. The NFHS catches up with college and these rules are are, are evolving. So right. it just, it just takes time. It starts in the NFL trickles to the college and then finally down to the NFHS. So we're finally there when it comes to this enforcement, which is good.
0: And and you bring up possible full another episode of uh, the armchair quarterbacks oh, in the stands. Absolutely. So we'll talk <laughs> about that one later, but Hey, what have you, uh, what are you never forgetting, Joe? Well,
2: Tash, I, this is a very personal one. I, it's uh, probably even a little weird one for most people. But given my age, I'm never forgetting the fact that I love to grow my hair long. I've kind of changed it up in the last year and just let the hair flow. And while most people probably can't understand it, and frankly, the absolute most favorite thing about growing hair is me looking at other people react to looking at my hair. I absolutely get off on that, love that. I'm just never forgetting the feeling of, Growing my hair, Tosh. How long it lasts, I'm not sure, but for now, I'm not forgetting.
0: Coming from a guy <laughs> who hasn't had hair for 30 years, um, yeah. Hey, good luck with that. Gosh, I, I feel, I feel <laughs> that I'm obligated
2: to grow hair for the folks that are less fortunate.
0: There you go. Well, Joe, I'm going to stick with my theme of uh, of restaurants, and uh, there's one that I'm never forgetting, and that is a uh, Mongo's. Yeah, I used to used to go to Mongo's for the Mongolian barbecue. And they also had a cool bar upstairs where we got to see some live music. Uh, But that was, that was the original, um, the original Mongolian barbecue here in, in the uh, Fox Valley and right off of uh, right downtown area, right by the post office, right across from the post Crescent. Yeah. That was just time from the post Crescent. Yep. That was awesome. So uh, that's, yeah, that's one that I just kind of remembered. And uh, that's, that's a, just, just, that's a great
2: one. In, In fact, mongos came up a couple of times during mile of music and in particular with the digstown guys the, the night we were kind of hanging with them we had brought up we brought up mongos and those guys had been there as well that was such a great yeah. great music venue thursday night music we i first saw cool waters there back in mid 90s yeah, probably remember exactly. dante on the bass? his fingers right. looked like spiders going up the fretboard oh, that yeah. was just insane but yeah, that, that yep. was the place, a small little place. Remember, Burnt Toast and Jam played there a bunch, too. But that was the right. place to go. And, yeah, the food was
0: was not bad either. That was really, really good. Good call, Tosh. Yeah, those are some good ones. So, awesome. And, and you know, possibly lead into another episode in the future talking about those armchair quarterbacks. Yeah, so. a-
2: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> comfy, comfy chair. Comfy chair. Someday I'll sit in that chair. Well, Tosh, that was fun. It's forgotten, and I'm never forgetting
0: all right news listeners you've made it through episode seven thank you so much for taking the time to listen to what we're offering and the stories we're telling um and tash just uh, bill walton i know he, he is still talking um
2: <laughs> so you'll be you'll be able to get the full full bill walton talking on, on youtube we just we, at some
0: point we had to cut it right for this <laughs> he he would have yeah he would have kept talking for days i think doesn't he say in his interview he does. that uh once he Got over his. Somebody said he never talked. And once he got over his stuttering, uh, he never stopped talking. So Yes, yes,
2: yes. They did. Yes, Bill. Bill yes. That is, that is very true. That was, Bill is a world class talker.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Joe makes a great point. If you liked the clip on the podcast, please go to YouTube and check out his entire throwback because it was quite a night. And uh, he. He did a great job. It was fun.
2: It was. It was Bill freaking Walton.
0: <laughs> well, thanks again. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Get out there, subscribe, download um, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, help us spread the stories that we're telling.
2: Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year we give back to the community through three initiatives. The Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student-athletes.